This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Working class on DeerCast. I am here, Kurt Geyer. Good to see you guys. Thanks for being here. And my good buddy, Clark Cummings, is back in the studio. Back in. It's been a while. Been a while. First time on our DeerCast series. Yeah. And it's been a long time just on the WCB series. Yeah. But I think you're due back in for like another Whitetail Roundtable or whatever we called those. We yeah. called them the Whitetail Angle on a few of those episodes. Yep. With that was fun. Austin and Ross. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, want, I wanted to bring you in to do this because we had actually someone bring it up i talked a long time ago from an old wcb episode you did about quartering wins mm -hmm. and how the way you explained it it was like that oh aha moment a little bit on how to effectively hunt wind better for yeah. whitetails and i'm like man that's a perfect whole episode for the most part topic or as long as we can talk about it i guess for a deer cast episode um so I, w I was like someone brought it up what episode was kurt talking about i'm like well here you are again. Yeah, let's so let's just do another. I think it'd be, I think it's <laughs> worth the refresh for me. Yeah. And for maybe people who don't understand what a quartering wind is. We kind of dubbed the term with Kyle Weeder on a show. We called it a whiskey wind. It's, it, it could be risky. Yeah. But I don't know. We call it a whiskey wind. I don't yeah. even remember how it came about. But it's, um, it's a good term. Yeah, I don't know. It kind of yeah. makes sense to us. It might not to anybody else. Yeah. But uh, what is a quartering wind? And how do you go about hunting one? Let's just start with the kind so of basic. If you figure, if you break the wind down into, oh, let's just say four four parts, like uh, upwind, downwind, crosswind, mm -hmm. or quarter wind. Mm -hmm. um, quarter would be, say, if the wind's blowing from the north and um, the deer's approaching from, say, the northwest. Yeah. So you're giving them a little something. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just working good for you. That It's also working good for the deer. And mm -hmm. that's, that's what... To me, you have to give them a little something on that. Uh, yeah. Because I guess the the biggest thing with the deer is just like our eyesight. You got to, 
we don't just walk around using our peripheral vision. I mean, we got to. So you know where you're walking. Yeah, you got to know where you're walking. I mean, you, you do rely a little bit on your peripheral vision, but you're not yeah. going to just rely on that. And that's kind of the way it is with a deer and his nose yeah. versus his eyes to me. Um, so it makes perfect sense because I feel like when I first started hunting, you know, at first you don't even think about the wind and someone's like, hey, you got to hunt the wind. And then you're like, oh, what does that mean? Cool. Hunt up wind that the deer aren't going to smell me. Wind in your face. Right. Well, if you're wanting the deer to come from where you're looking and the wind's in your face, it's not really ideal for the deer. Exactly. So, but a lot of guys are probably like, well, that is perfect. It is if the deer walks in with the wind to his back. Yeah. So, yeah, and I just think the bigger deer, they just don't do that as often. I'm not saying they don't do it, and especially low pressure. I mean, I've seen them walk with the wind straight at their back, but mm-hmm. um, playing the odds, you just got to give them a little bit of the wind. Um, for sure. Well, I guess they'll do it, but they don't do it for too long, usually. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They either want to get, they, they're using it not just to, to sense danger, but they're looking for does and, um, yeah, just everything. It's just, it's to them. I think it's just like our eyesight. It may be even more important because they can, they can do it blindly. Oh yeah. And from a long ways away, longer than they can see too, which is, it's crazy to think about. When when did you, when did that click for you? Or did someone tell you Um, about it? Like how kind of, honestly, I started reading and I don't, I can't even pinpoint the article. Um, it was years, years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I knew exactly who wrote about it and I seen it and then I seen it again, um, a short time after and it kind of come back up again. Mm-hmm. And I just, I started trying different things with my wind. Cause I always kind of looked at it, um, to me, hunting the wind meant blowing it to whatever open area. So if I was sitting in the timber, it's got to blow out to the field. But, mm-hmm. um, I just felt like there was something wrong with that. Like it's, a deer is going to use his nose. So I need to kind of work on this. I can do better. So Mm -hmm. I started kind of paying attention to how the trails wrapped around the ridges and in Creek lines and yeah, um, just using the way the deer travel the cover, there's always a little kink in his, in his armor. And if you can kind of find that while while still giving him some, but you're going to push your wind slightly in their direction, but maybe over a Creek or over a bluff. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of different ways, even blowing it towards a road. Uh, right, right. Some I've stuff really that, close to a road before and had some great luck. To make a certain wind work or whatever yeah. it may have been. Yeah. Yeah. It's just sometimes well, that's a good tip. there's a bunch of different ways to do it. Um, you just got to get creative. But the biggest thing to me is just you got to give them a little something. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got to kind of play what well, you said, the whiskey wind. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's kind of right because it's risky a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when your scent control to me is is super important. Uh, yeah, but once you learn it, it's not as complicated as, as it seems. You just got to yeah, pay yeah. attention to it. That's how I feel about it too, you know. And I'm I don't think I'm an expert. Definitely, I would not claim that. But I'll say I have killed deer. Uh, probably the majority of my deer since I think that episode was like two fifty in that ballpark. Yeah, that sounds um, right. Since th- you said that. I've killed most of my deer by thinking about wind a little more than I ever did before. You know, like, like one deer, a south wind, they're in there on the end of this ridge on this creek. I found the furthest tree on the north end of that ridge before the creek. So on a south wind, he was on the furthest north trail on a south wind on this bluff, I guess, on yeah. this creek. So I just went on the other side. So my wind was blowing up over the creek, over this bluff. And the wind works perfect for him. I'm just on the other end of that trail. Yeah. So same thing. How you would use a road, I think, is how I was using that creek for the wind. Yeah. The so. creek. I use a creek a lot. Um, one of my very favorite sets is is based. I've hunt them basically pushing my wind as a 
a northwest wind blows straight over the creek mm -hmm. and the deer are coming from the south okay straight south of my tree mm -hmm. so when they come by um at that point I, I hunt it usually i try to pick a high pressure day when the thermals are rising mm -hmm. um i usually a northwest wind um it, they just they come up from the south it feels to the deer like they've got their nose straight into the wind mm -hmm. uh, they feel good about it they move through really comfortably but there i am i i usually shoot them when they're pretty much crossing what would be my wind trail but the nice thing is with that quartering wind and, and the high thermals they still if it's a deer i'm passing i can generally get by they'll they'll move on by yeah once in a while i'll get some spooky but See, I'm glad you brought that up too, because I knew that was going to be like a question that's going to come up. It's like, all right, what do you do if the deer gets by you or the other deer are not hunting that might end up like, for me, a deer could be on the other side of the creek, but I guess sometimes you got to, it's just something you got to deal with at times. I but. think the creek helps the thermals come up too. Yeah. Like riding up the, yeah. the bluff of the creek or whatever, or the cutout of it. And yeah. Because if you ever notice in the morning that fog's lifting off the, as the thermals yeah. are kind of warming, warming up the day and yeah. Um, I just seem to have a good good luck in there in the morning, and I'll, I'll try to sit it as long through the day as I can. I'm not a real big all-day sitter, but... I'm not either, but, you know, I always I still consider if you get down and grab something to grub and then mm -hmm. switch spots, I consider that sitting all day. Like, yeah. That's I don't really I do. have a lot of spots that's like, the wind is going to be perfect here all day. Right. You know what I mean? It might work in the morning, but not work in the afternoon for what I'm expecting mm -hmm. deer to do, and I'm sure a lot of people kind of understand that, but yeah. but there is spots that might work all dang day, you know? So. Yeah. Um, I've got some places on a crosswind that, that I have good luck, um, mm -hmm. say on the Southern border. Well, I got one that's actually on the Northern border. So on a South wind, um, they parallel that and it's kind of near an ag field mm -hmm. and it's the South end of the cut or the North end of the cover on a South wind. So it's, I think there's a lot of people going to be listening to this episode are going to be looking up thinking about directions yeah. as you explain them, like what yeah, I'm it's, doing. It's a, yeah, <laughs> it's, like, you got to okay, stop yeah. and think about that. But if you're basically on the downwind side of the cover, that's is where the deer. Yeah. Because you think about a buck using that as a parallel, they can crosswind that and mm -hmm. smell everything that's in that block of cover. Right. Um, those types of setups, I seem to have better luck with all day sits. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And, and, and then like, I think one thing we can't miss is like, wind on entry and exit because i oh, feel like yeah. that's just as important as when that's, you get to the tree that's huge yeah if, if maybe not more important yeah especially if you're like if a deer that you think is in a certain area if he gets your wind on your way in mm -hmm. that might deter him to get up way later or go a different direction i guess yeah that's i think entry and exit is that's where i start like when i'm laying out my properties and trying to figure out all my access that's the most important key to everything. I kind mm -hmm. of build everything around that. Like, where do I have to come in and out? Yeah. Um, and when is your number one factor and all that and entry and exit or it is yeah. not being, do you, do you think not being physically seen or not being smelled? What comes first on entry and exit? I would say both, but, um, if one was above the other, just one on was this above quick the one, other, and she, you might change your mind later, I would but honestly say the smell yeah. It's like they'll do, they'll let some things go. I agree. Especially if you're riding by on like a quiet cat or a That makes such buggy. a difference. Mm -hmm. And I've realized that last fall. Yeah. Um, like a deer that I know can smell me sees you on a vehicle. Yeah. But yeah, there's certain things that, yeah, are the exception to that rule, I yeah, guess. I, but, I feel like there's ways around it. Um, I try my best to, to avoid both. Yeah. If you can. Uh, and then. 
if you can't, then I try to have somebody take me in or out mm -hmm. if I can do that too. So a lot of times when you're looking at a map for wind entry exit, you know, being physically seen or not. And I know there's got to be a circumstance. I feel like I have battled this a lot because most times it's not perfect. Like, oh, the wind's good there, but it's like, what wind do you hunt that spot on? But I know it's going to, like, I know there's going to be an opportunity in that spot. Oh, I can't, the entry exit here is not great, but it's kind of like I have to do it if I want to hunt. Like, what do, what do you normally do in situations like that? Do you just kind of push through? It's just pick and choose the best days for those spots, or how do you go about them? I've got a lot of stands and um, a lot of different setups. So basically, the way... I've got some that I just won't hunt except on the absolute perfect wind. Mm -hmm. um, I've got some other satellite stands that I can get by with a little bit more. And I'll kind of use those if it just is a day that, that I can't find the right stand. Um, if nothing feels good, I'll, I'll either take a, and carry in an observation set mm -hmm. or just I've already got one up. You know? It'd be like your... I don't know. I call them like, uh, yeah, like satellite stands is probably a good way to put it. Like I, I consider them like the, the easy, low pressure, yeah. less intrusive spots. Like, uh, not a big deal if I'm seen over here on the outskirts. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah. They're not that? so intrusive. Like you're not getting right into the bedding area or right on the main food source. It's, you're yeah. just kind of watching from afar, but I still like to be in places that I feel like I have a good chance to shoot a deer. But yeah. Otherwise it's hard to sit. Yeah. You know, unless it's like your next day is your follow up for a different win and you're just looking to see or, or a different day or whatever it may be, different weather condition at all. But e-bikes kind of change that whole thing a yeah, lot, right? They're, I think so. A lot of people hate on e-bikes. Yeah, I got I had an e-bike and I, I sold it so that I could get um, I bought one of them little tracker um, UTVs. Oh, I heard those are nice. Yeah, I really like Mark's it. got one. It seems really he? nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're pretty awesome. Is it electric? Yeah, it's all electric. It's like a seventy-two volt. And the reason I got that is because Matt, my son, and I we can we can go together. Right, we both ride. Where I was going to have to either buy another bike or something. Get a tandem. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> We're both big thing. boys. I'm not sure if it would haul us. You Maybe know it how would. heavy a tandem e bike would be? They're already like eighty pounds. It'd be like three hundred. That would look good with us out there. It'd be kind of cool in a way, you know. Yeah. But you get moving on that baby. But it's funny how like an e bike and wind, uh, an episode about wind, really do kind of go together. Yeah, more than people think. That's something I tried to explain. But then I always feel like I, people think I'm full of shit, like over trying to sell an e-bike, which I think if you know anybody that's used an e-bike, you they're passionate about it. And they're like, man, I'm telling you, it's like a magic carpet. It really is. It, um, I think it is. I was really impressed with the one I had is just as far as slipping in and out. It's like the deer, as that thing was moving, it's just like they didn't recognize you as a threat to the same level. Not that they wouldn't move, yeah, but they just didn't come unglued and i've had deer and like see see deer from a distance like i have this one spot that's on a hill and i can see down this grassy ravine mm -hmm. <clears throat> and i was riding through and i had a buck get up and look at me and i just kept putzing yeah and then i actually when i ended up getting in my tree stand i could still see him i, I would never have spotted him if i wouldn't have seen him on my e-bike you know and i watched him for a little bit and then he bedded back down like he didn't move he just stood up so I'm like, I, I, you would not have had that happen if you would have walked through on no, foot. No, that's the thing. On foot, it's a totally different ball game. If they're expensive, that's not that's not ideal for a lot of people. But I'll tell you, I would have one over a four wheeler. Oh yeah, definitely. You know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I see your point too. With you know having your son with you all the time, it's like yeah, it makes more sense to have something like that. But 
my idea is I'm going to eventually buy another e-bike and have both, but it was kind of... Just get an e-bike rack for the back of the tracker, <laughs> yeah. and then you go. got best of both worlds. Yeah. But I, I don't know, what's what for someone that's wanting to um, get on, going back to the quartering winds thing, mm-hmm. you know, what's something they should really think about when looking at a map or looking at a stand setup? I know you kind of broke down on what you would do, but like step one, someone's like, man, that's a good idea. I've never really tried the quartering wind. I always just did wind in your face. You're good. Where would, where could they start? What what what's some obvious things you think to look at? Um, of course, every property is different, but I look for funnels like anything that's pinching the deer down. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you start with that, say if you just take a typical hourglass north to south. Yeah. Um, if you're hunting out on a northwest, southwest, some kind of wind that's just pushing it out and away. Mm-hmm. Um, Generally, you're going to have, even if you're in an hourglass, you're going to kind of have an idea which direction the wind or the deer are going to come from for the most part. So yeah, I try to plan that for my quarter wind. So mm-hmm. if they're coming from the north, I want to give them a, a southwest or southeast wind or something mm-hmm. to that effect. And just uh, and just, just be on that side of that wind pretty much. Yeah, just kind of give it to where the, it's they're still moving with the nose to the wind, but mm-hmm. um, there's a, always a spot. And if you can kind of, there's even on a perfectly north and south place, there's usually a bend in the trail or you can create one um, by diverting some cover, like a fallen tree or yeah. hinge cut some trees or do something to kind of move them and help that even or better. Pu- push brush into a certain spot yeah. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, just pile some brush, get them yeah. to where, where they're not going to get downwind of you and you're just maximizing that. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's a good, that's good advice for sure. It's, it's hard to look at like when you're new to it, it's not as obvious. Mm-hmm. And what I found too, from just hunt experience, I don't know if you feel the same way. Like even if it's just a, the driveway from field to field that mm-hmm. the, the farmer uses to go from harvesting one field to dive over into the other one, that's, they still use it as a pinch from my experience. It's oh, not yeah. probably the same everywhere, but so I have a stand up on a setup like that between two fields right. that I normally wouldn't even really have pinpointed as a pinch point before until seeing deer do it from a distance like oh, i don't know why i never even thought about that i don't know yeah and there's generally a steep side to those those set situations like that and those uh, field crossings and yeah just push your wind like over top of that steep side to where they can't approach from it mm-hmm. and uh, i think if people get out of the mindset that you have to blow it to a wide open area that's that's yeah. not necessarily the case. I mean, you want to watch because the trees and the vegetation will move the wind. Mm-hmm. So you, you want to watch that. Um, yeah, that's a good point, too. But if you can just get out there and experience it. I mean, years ago, there was a thing on that I watched. The guy, he would go to his stands and try a certain wind and light a smoke bomb. I had I never heard, gone to that. I, but I read an article. About, I was telling someone about that the other yeah. day. Who wrote? Do you know? I don't you said it was an article that ago. you read? I think it was either an article or a video. It might have been one of the Wenzel brothers or something. I could be totally wrong. I read an article when I was in like in high school. Mm -hmm. You know, they used to make you read. So I would just always read them. Oh, yeah. I I was looking at pictures, but (laughs) I actually did read this article. Uh, Someone out there will know hearing this. But yeah, they go out and you put a smoke bomb at different times of the year on that expanded metal stand. And which I, to me, seems silly, but also it's like, well, you would learn a lot. Yeah. I think. Yeah, but. if you could match up the conditions, that's I was always afraid to do it because I didn't want to go to my favorite stand and light smoke bombs. But <laughs> purple smoke everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you could catch the right time of the year or after season. And have you ever done it? See. I've never done it personally, but it was it was interesting the the concept. But um, see, th- th- right here, don't steal right product idea. It's a scent free light smoke, so it doesn't alert go. the deer. It's invisible to the deer. Yeah, 
We'll call it the whiskey wind bombs. The whiskey wind bomb. I like that. <laughs> and then you just go up there and hang it from your tree stand and light it. There, I, that Someone's going to make that now. Guaranteed. Yeah. That, that wouldn't be a bad plan. But honestly, you know, it would. Uh, there is some benefits to that. It seems a little ridiculous, but I guess that's where some guys have the argument of like you, they use um, milkweed. Yeah, I've used milkweed. And I used to carry it. a bag of that with me all the time. Yeah. I actually got some in the back of my truck now. I, I grind really? some out. Yeah. I laugh, I, at that gonna, I laugh at that every time I see it. Yeah. It just, it literally, you could watch that stuff float and see exactly what your wind's doing. And it's kind of cool. I should grab some, but I just laugh at the, the public land guys that yeah. like, obsess over it you know yeah I've, I've never been obsessive about it but i <laughs> uh the, the farm that my wife and i just bought there's a bunch on it and i'm mm -hmm. like man i'm about to be a millionaire i'm gonna sell this on facebook marketplace <laughs> whiskey wind detector <laughs> there you go <laughs> but you now i mean it is it. a good idea for that you know yeah. because you know the powder only go you only get three four feet and you get a little more if you really crank on it but then everything's powdery around you but that is a benefit to it, I guess you could see, but mm -hmm. it's when simple, simple, but, uh, complicated. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is don't overcomplicate it. Yeah. Um, just, if you can just kind of, you don't, you just got to know, you don't want the deer to smell you. So where are the deer coming from? And then, but where is it giving them a little bit of something? Yeah. Um, because you just can't plan on them walking with the wind straight at their back. Just, right. Right. Like I say, it happens. I mean, we've it does all seen happen. it happen, but it's For sure. just on really big deer, it just doesn't happen. Percentage-wise, it's a lower percentage of yeah, mature deer. If you're planning your hunt with the deer coming in on, on his back all the time, you're not going to have a lot of success on no. big deer. No, I mean, you, you'll get lucky, but mm. but not every time. But, that, I mean, you know, that deer cast update with maps and stuff, I mean, that's the best place to start, I think, if you're new and you're thinking about quartering winds. Or, mm -hmm. I mean, anytime you hang a stand, I do it every year. Even stands I've hunted forever, I'm like, what? And then I get optimistic. Like, I really just want to go hunt there. I'm like, could I pull this wind off? And then yeah. I start like talking myself into some maybe decisions I shouldn't make. But, you know, there's that wind cone. You can go and run it through. And I mean, on different every day you get on there and be like, that one would work. That one would yeah. work at this speed. It would, you know what I mean? It's kind of a cool thing to play with. So uh, don't overlook deer cast maps when it comes to that um, perspective on whiskey winds, quartering winds, whatever you want to call them. So. But I, I'm not gonna lie, I kind of stress out over them. Mm -hmm. Like my dad and I used to bicker about wind direction on stands. <laughs> it's a wrong wind, Kurt. No, it's not. I'm like, I don't think it's the best wind. It's not. And then we'd go back and forth <laughs> like that. I'm like, all right, whatever. What are we arguing about? But yeah, well, I learned a lot. A buddy of mine, Tyson Walters, he years ago he would hunt these stands, and to me, is like, man, you got the wrong wind. It's blowing right to the cover. He's like, no, because they always come just a little bit further over. But he's having great luck on big deer. Mm -hmm. So to me. I thought maybe there's something to that. It was kind of that, about that same time when you say something clicks. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's kind of when it started clicking for me is it was just uh, I could see that that was working for him and it seemed like the wrong wind. I thought, well, surely the wind's going to vary just a little bit and they're yeah. gonna eventually pick you up. But um, it was working for him the way he was doing it, um, whether it was intentional or unintentional, it was working out. Well, guys don't cons yeah. consistently kill good deer on accident. You know, right. one or two can be an accident, but consistently, yeah. you know, that's a, that's a big statement. And when, if you hunt a wind like that, if it gets to the point where you're like, you know, it was close, it was beneficial to that deer, but still working for me. And now it's an hour and a half into the day. And it's like this wind changed more. And I thought, will you bail on a spot? Will you get down? And yeah, you will. Yeah. If it, if it completely changes around, I'll bail. Um, I'll try to get somewhere close if I have to, if I can get out and just switch stands. But yeah, um, but I think it's. I never hunt a win intentionally wrong. Mm -hmm. It's just wrong. It is. 
I've literally walked to my tree and, and thought, nope, this ain't going to do it. And I'm going to leave and walk back out. <laughs> right. It just is not where the, where the wind was blowing. Everybody laughs at me when I leave the house. If I've got anybody with me, because I always look at the flag going out of town and see. Mm, yeah, yeah. That's when I, I won't make my decision of where I'm sitting until I see what the flag's doing or. See, but I, that's smart, though, because you have to be able, you got to be malleable. Mm -hmm. I mean, you probably see a lot more deer being flexible like that. Like, I get fixated on a spot because I'm just excited to go to that spot. Yeah. And then when I, then I'm scratching my head for a backup plan if it's not perfect. Like, the flag's not going the right way in your case. Mm -hmm. You're like, ah, oh, shit. Now I got to figure something else out. Like, I have a hard time with that. Sticking to my game plan. I always yeah. second guess myself. Like, that's my biggest flaw, I think. Yeah, I think. I think a lot of people are that way and it's, I think it's okay. Cause sometimes I'm, I'm so, I don't know. It's just like, I'm my lack of plan. Yeah. Sometimes is a flaw of mine. Cause it's like, I just won't commit. Everybody says, where are you hunting tomorrow morning? I was like, I don't know yet. Yeah. But and that's, that's that way all the time. <laughs> I'm that way. I feel like yeah. all the time, but that, I mean, that's an app like DeerCast can help you with those easier than it was. Cause oh, yeah. growing up, you know, my dad and Jim Burns had that NOAA weather radio mm -hmm. and it was just like the closest airport was what went off wind direction and be like, what winds west, you know, it sounds like world war two radio. Yeah. They're like, all right, West wind. We all go to the map. <laughs> we're like, like it's not going to change. And Noah's going to give us our hourly update or whatever. <laughs> so that's what we went off. And then the weather vane on top of the little cabin thing we hunted out of, but yep. um, yeah, we didn't have that hourly wind change app like we do now, right. which is a blessing. It is. That's um, I know we've talked about it before, but sometimes you'll, you'll be able to calculate on that app when, when it's a hard change in wind. And I think that's yeah. a great time to hunt. Uh, I think so too. I think a lot of deer get up I do too. on a hard change. In wind. It's almost like a, when you go from a hot day to a cold front. Yeah. Um, it's kind of the same thing, kind of in a micro situation with mm -hmm. wind switching hardcore. It's like, why is we that? like to be out just, there. Just to break it down for people who never really thought about that. We've got our theories, a buddy of mine, Shannon from South Carolina with, that hunts with me a lot. Mm -hmm. um, he kind of started coming up with this idea. Like he, he said, well, the wind's supposed to change hard at three o'clock and I'm going to, I'm going to set up in a spot where I can hunt both good winds because mm -hmm. he said, they're going to start moving. They should move right down this Creek line when that happens. And yeah. He ended up shooting a monster that night. Well, the next year, the same thing happened. He did it again. Same killed the buck and everything. Yeah. killed the buck. It was like almost to the day two years in a row uh -huh. and it was both off of those hardcore wind changes and uh, maybe coincidence or not, but I've made sure that if I see a hard wind change that I'm in the woods and I've seen a lot of, I mean, not every time you do it, but I, enough that I believe that there is something to that. When you get a hardcore change in winds, like when it shows North at three o'clock and at four o'clock, it's showing South. Like mm -hmm. if you can get somewhere that a crosswind is working both ways, it yeah. just seems like the deer get on their feet because it's no longer good for them. Like, and they're bed I think, or yeah, I think they when they bed, they bed on a knob or something where they're collecting a lot of data with their nose. Right, right. And all of a sudden that switches, and it's like now, now they don't know. They got to get up and mm. move to another spot that they can do the same thing. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. You know, when you break it down that way, it's just: do you have a spot? close to where a deer's bedded that's going to work on both wind directions that's something else to think about when you look at your maps like you or do you have a spot that you could go throw a stand in when that you know because you don't see those too calm i mean they happen right but yeah. you probably get a few good ones in october maybe two three right a year i don't know I'm, I'm estimating or guessing there but it doesn't hurt to have a stand in your truck 
to hang for a situation like that. Yeah. You know, especially like well, he was on a creek. When he, yeah, he was on a creek line. That's and it was really narrow. One. I mean, the, the cover on both sides of the creek was 30 or 40 yards, mm -hmm. but there was bigger blocks of timber up at both both directions. Oh, so like a buck, the wind changed. It's like, oh, this isn't working. I got to go to a different yeah. spot. Yeah, and it's a, a pretty good travel corridor regardless, just when they get up moving does. Yeah. They move them down that creek a lot, so it was. It stood to reason that either block of cover they could come out of once that wind switches that they yeah. get up on their feet and start moving down that creek line, and it's exactly how he killed. That's a, a good tip. Really good deer. Really. Yeah. T two years in a row. That's not a coincidence. There's no. there's something heavy there. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like a one seventy nine and a one seventy. Okay, right? that's even cool. Yeah. <laughs> <It was laughs> really they're cool. really good deer. Yeah, they were really good deer. That's awesome. Yeah, it's. Man, that's what's exciting. Like the first cold front in October is like, even if it's, I think we have one, uh, Lee, we call him the cult leader is telling me there's one like the first weekend or the, no, like the fifth or sixth, it's been the first week of October. Maybe that's changed. Yeah. Or uh, maybe I missed it. And then I think there's another big cold front supposed to come in the, like the last week or something of October. That'd be good. It seems a little far out to know that, right? It, it does. I don't put a lot of confidence in. He's reading like the farmer's almanac yeah. or something like that. <laughs> he he may be right as far as a whole. He's uh, probably knowing wrong. exactly when it's going to hit is tough. But I I think anything past five days is tough on like the weather apps. Kind but, of a guess in a way. Yeah, educated guess. Yep. But I always watch it again uh, just to be sure. But there's surely going to be some come through. Yeah. And to me, October is all about um, the cold front. I think all year. Cold fronts are really good, but um, yeah, those October cold fronts you just can't hardly beat them. Would you take an October cold front over the best week in November, whatever you consider that week to be? Um, <laughs> is that a tough question? <laughs> that is a little. It depends. I mean, what's the weather like on that week in November? Okay, what's your what's your optimal? Let's go four days in November. Four days. I'm gonna say. Um, I like. Let's just say the fifth through the ninth. Okay, fifth through the ninth, they're clear high pressure days, cold clear high pressure. You know the, the sky's mm -hmm. like the sun's out, but you know the perfect November yeah. day. That's what I'm talking about. So my, this is a little bit of a still tricky. If I was on <laughs> one particular deer, I just made that so dumb for you. You're just like, okay, it's like the perfect days in November yeah. versus the first cold front. If I'm just hunting any deer and yeah. just looking for a really good buck to move through, I would pick the November. But if I was yeah. on one single deer that I was really trying to target, I would pick an October day. That's the best answer for that question. Yeah. And I was kind of being an a-hole about it the way no. I was. I'm just <laughs> That's seeing, all right. It's I was, fun. I've seen what you yeah. toss up there. I used to always be November, November, November. Mm -hmm. I feel like the last like three years I've, I've kind of changed. I love November. Like I think November, even though I didn't kill a deer, November 1st last fall was like, that morning, it's almost like every deer got the memo. Hey, it's November. Everyone on the internet that hunts is expecting you to move. Yeah. We need to get the program. Everybody move, move, move. <laughs> and I saw every deer that I knew was around and deer rutting and jumping fences over there. And off in the distance, there's something running. It was the most action-packed as far as deer uh, quantity that I've seen. But I love that. the first cold front was when I killed my buck. I, I don't know when it was, like uh, the right around the 20th, give or take a few days. I like those days better now just because I feel like the the deer aren't really like with the doe yet and they're thinking a little more clearly and they're just kind of moving. Yeah. To me, targeting a, a particular buck is is easier late season or early season. Mm -hmm. The rut is just so random. 
That's what's beautiful about it, though. But also, yeah, that's the thing that makes it fun is you don't know what's coming in. It might be from two miles away, the deer that you've never seen before. So, and that's also it's heartbreaking if you're hunting that specific deer and you get into November, you're like, man, he could be five miles and get oh, smoked yeah. by a car crossing County Road X or whatever it is. Yeah, you know? and I, I work on my properties year round and just try to get them to the best. So a lot of times I'm holding a deer that I'm excited about. Mm -hmm. And that seems like the hardest time for me to get that deer is in November. Yeah. Well, I mean, makes sense. Mm -hmm. But God, you get, you imagine if you'd only chase women for like a month and a half a year. Yeah. I'd be probably a lot further than three <laughs> to five miles away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, knowing me or if like, if a buck was like Doug, like how far would it travel? <laughs> you know, 20 miles maybe <laughs> yeah. i'd be a lot skinnier doug be swimming the river from from iowa to illinois and <laughs> yeah a lot skinnier yeah, he'd be all rutted out he's gonna be that wore out like 120 inch buck at the end of the fall just oh, tattered but but no i think i think it's great conversation the quartering wind i think most bow hunters now think about wind more than they ever did yeah but i've still talked to guys that are like oh yeah i never really hunted the wind yeah, I get that with people too, and it's still it's such an important factor to me. It's like I, I can't imagine not hunting the wind. Well, also those guys too that you know they might have one or two good bucks, mm -hmm. but they don't really have any big bucks. So they don't, right. they just they're missing that. Uh, I don't know where that information just kind of skipped it, or they just never looked. I don't know. I don't know what because some of the guys that I'm thinking about that have said this, they now think about the wind when I'm like, well, hey man, you ever thought about this? Um, you know, and they never really had, like, the trophy wall, but they were into hunting. Mm -hmm. They just missed, like, I don't know, maybe it was just too much to think about. They're like, oh, I'm fine because I got scent killer on. Yeah. Maybe scent companies are to blame a little bit. For <laughs> I think so, a little bit. Kind of, right? Some of these different brands, and I'm not naming any brands, but there's all kinds of different. I use them probably. You yeah, know? Like, and I, I still, do, too. Still I still do, yeah. I believe a lot of these things work, but people yeah. put too much confidence in them but there's not black magic built into it right like deer are still going to smell something yeah to me you still if you if you're doing everything right and playing the wind then your odds just went up but if you're just mm. just only relying on a scent product you're probably going to be disappointed agreed yeah definitely agree with that but why not if you're hunting a quartering wind why not give yourself every fighting edge yeah and it might only buy you an extra couple seconds. I've had a lot of deer that come in. I've even had a couple really big bucks come in and they're nose up testing the wind. They know something's up mm -hmm. and then they get an arrow through them. It's yeah, just, right. It gave me that much extra time where if I'd have went in there smelling like the restaurant, they, me, they <laughs> yeah. may not have even, I might not Smell like a Casey's them. pizza. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that when you just, you're buying yourself a few extra seconds when you really take care of your. I think equipment. so. I think, and too, it's like you said, you know, a deer, you could tell like, ah, he smells me, but it's almost like it has to meet that threshold of like, uh, like alarming or not alarming. Right. It's almost like, and then maybe there's going to be a, well, they're probably no biologists probably listen to this podcast, but uh, <laughs> people that with high, high intelligence, it's no offense people who listen, I produced the podcast. What does that say about my brain? Um, but you know what I mean? I just feel like maybe there's a line in there somewhere where white tails like threat. I'm not really threat. No threat. I'm not really sure. Yeah, I think so. I think they have to do that because you figure all the different things that go on throughout the day with farmers and coyotes and yeah. so on. If, if every time they caught a tiny little smell of something and they just ran as fast as they could, they'd only be running all the time. That's a good point. So that's a good point. When they smell something, they're going to smell and they're going to, if 
you might get lucky and just have a, a thermal move at the right time. And all of a sudden, okay, now they don't smell it. They go back to relax for a second and they move through. Mm-hmm. To me, once a deer is kind of passed through and they realize, okay, I think I'm okay. Then they kind of go back to what they're doing. Yeah. But yeah. if they get on high alert and they, they stick their nose up and they, they're like, okay, I definitely smell something. Then all of a sudden you watch them almost take a, a step back with their front foot. And it's like, they, they look around, they get tense. You just see their body yeah. language change. Too much to ignore. Yep. And then that's when you, it's, they got you. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, I'm still going to, guys, that's an argument on the internet every time. Like scent control sprays, ozone still an argument, which I believe in ozone. I might do even believe in the sprays to a point, you know, um, the soap. Yeah. I I think it's better than smelling like old spice. I do too. You know, I feel like I sweat. I can smell my body Mm -hmm. through. So I use like, uh, the soap I do use. I like the smell of, I truly do like the smell. It's not a a plug or we have no affiliation with them at, at all, but I like nose jammer because there's some light smell there, Mm -hmm. which might seem back asswards to our conversation, but it's to me, it's kind of a natural-ish smell, or it's supposed to be, of like that vanilla-ish. But it just keeps my... I'd rather a deer smell a little bit of that than my body odor. Yeah. I've got a buddy that swears by a nose jammer. I know a lot of guys that hate all all that stuff, but mm-hmm. nose jammer is like the one exception for them. Like a couple things, you know, and we don't need to get into the products. That's a whole other argument. But like, like Evercom is one of those passes. Like, I, I see that, but some guys might not like that, but... I think I that's, do like that. I've used yeah. it, and I, I think that seems to, seems to work. Yeah, but I like I use the deodorant from Nose Jammer. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if I'm going to be elk hunting and I'm going to be sweating, I, I better have something there. Versus if I just run like a no scent deodorant, right. like an antiperspirant with no scent on it, mm-hmm. I just feel like I reek through it. Yeah, but I don't know if I can smell it. A deer's got to really smell it. Yeah. So yeah, everything you smell is amplified by. Yeah. Who knows how many times there's probably a scientist <laughs> right. that might be listening. Yeah, that one that biologist that, that yeah. scientist that listens like right in. Yeah. Like, Here, Kurt, you are an idiot, but here's some facts for you. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, thanks, Mr. Uh, biologist. Yeah. I think I think there's a lot to that, though. I, I like... Yeah. I don't use an ozone in a tree a lot. I just haven't developed the confidence in it yet. But I think as far as cleaning your clothes, all that, the truck, I mean, yeah. I, it 100% works. I, th- I don't think there's... I mean, science, it's pretty scientific, you know, like science kind of proves that it does. Right. It was invented by, was ozone wasn't invented by a, di- a dentist, but however the portable unit came about was invented by a dentist, I think was a story hmm. from some of the Scent Crusher episodes we've done, just because the smell of like a rotten tooth or whatever, and he'd like run that over it or, or something like that. I'm missing some details, but I think it does. If you smell fast food in your truck, you run ozone in your truck. You don't smell fast food in there. Yeah. I mean, you might for after a cycle, but you run another cycle or whatever you got to do, and it's different. Yeah. I think. There was even, I had a buddy that worked at a car dealership, and that's how they got the smells out of the cars. They had like an oh. industrial ozone machine that just, they would put it in there for a few minutes and, and basically wow. zap that car and cigarette smell, any smells. Oh, yeah. And then they then they come back, they, they ozone it, then they come back and apply the... Um, Cleaner and Clean all that. car smell, the new car smell and all that. That's how they do it. Yeah. And he well, said, that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, he said it worked good. He said stuff would come in. He said, you wouldn't believe how some of these cars smelled when they come in. They'd clean them good. They'd still smell. They'd run that thing. Well, it's pretty well good. So Yeah. I, are people arguing on the internet or anywhere? That's where people only argue nowadays, but yeah. that it doesn't work? 
You know what I mean? Yeah, that's I, everybody's got to argue about something, I guess. Yeah, I'm over it. I, but yeah. I, I'm transitioning from like letting it bother me and getting worked up and having to like retaliate to kind yeah. of just like Doug laughs at it and he's good. And I guess it's like my brain's my baby, you know? <laughs> yeah. But uh, I did one big post in our working class bow hunters group. Like everybody just hates on each other. So much arrogance from ignorance. <laughs> and then that was kind of like my final piece on it, I yeah. think, for now until like the next thing comes up. But uh, yeah, and no, I just kind of find it entertaining in a way, I guess. Like in our group, people are arguing over the the uh, scrape ropes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are we arguing? We're arguing over hemp rope. Yeah. Yep. That's it. it. It doesn't really matter what subject. It's always going to be an argument, but it's kind of comical. It is. If point. you sit back, that's kind of where I've gotten to. Because for a while, I took a little break from social media altogether because yeah, it got so it. negative. But yeah, it just still uh, negative. Turns it is. Out. Yeah, yeah. But I can laugh at it more now. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm kind of finding myself coming back around to it a little bit and just taking it in yeah. smaller doses and just I don't argue whether I disagree with somebody or not. I just move on and hit them with that thumbs up emoji. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's about all you could do. Yeah. Everybody's got a different opinion and they're yeah. strongly minded about it. I think if it wasn't for the podcast and we weren't like a form of media, which I'm very thankful for and I do love, I would probably go on a hiatus from it as well mm -hmm. and just hunt. Like it'd be nice to just, and I could, I guess we could and, and just pump episodes out and people know where to find us. But you know, I think we rely on it as our livelihood. I kind of have to have all the exposure that we can get for. It's a powerful tool. It is really. I mean, I mean it's it's great. I use it with my my real estate business and yeah. Um, back when I was more involved in the outdoor industry, yeah, that's new to the WCB family. Since yeah. I don't know if you've been on since you started working with Whitetail Properties, or have you been? I don't on? think I have. That's how long it's been. Yeah, it's. Probably was close to then, but that's about the time I started getting really busy with that. But. Yeah, we got to get you back on with the boys. Yeah. Like the whole crew. Yeah, we need to do that. That's well overdue. We'll make something work. Yeah, I kind of fell off the face of the earth. That's but, all right. But I still think about you guys. I still follow you, everybody a lot. You know what so. we should do? Some season updates when we get to October. That'd be fun. Do some weekly stuff. Have you just come in and yeah. just just co-host it with us. You don't, have to, you don't have to be a guest if you don't want. You just co-host yeah. and we'll just talk deer season. That's I love just talking deer hunting. Yeah, it's, the best. it's easy. Well, we're way past our time. Right. I think this was productive. Um, I It was a good refreshing course for me. Um, really, I've given you, I don't know if you've heard them, but I have given you a lot of credit on that quartering win comment that you made. Now, it was an aha moment for me. I felt like I kind of understood it, but didn't fully understand it. Yeah. You know, like if you would asked me to explain it before, I would give you some very generic bullshit answer. Yeah. You know? And it gets a little hard to explain because every property is different. Um, it's easy to explain on an aerial. I wonder but, if we do every, the reason why we get requests to do this mm -hmm. and I haven't done them because everybody does them. The whiteboard map and whiteboard breakdown. Yeah. I think they're great videos. I just didn't want to do something because there's already a lot of other guys doing it. Mm -hmm. But maybe just because of this podcast happening, maybe we do like a little tack on video for it at another time. Right where we maybe we can break down some obvious things to look at and then maybe some not so obvious things to look at or here's a creek and here's how you'd set up for a wind here on this creek or whatever it may be mm -hmm. maybe that's something we explore yeah here in the fun. future the coming months i guess so yeah anytime well cool man where can people find you i'm still on let's see i think it's just clark, clark <laughs> see, cummings he's on, been away from the instagram, instagram yeah. for a while. <laughs> Some variation of Clark Cummings, but okay. um, on Instagram and then uh, same thing on Facebook. Just I'm on both of those. And if somebody wants to buy ground from you, where can they find you on that? You can find uh, Whitetail Properties. You can go straight to their website and look me up on there, or you can just go 
direct and email me. It's clark.cummings at whitetailproperties.com. Perfect. All right. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to see you. Yeah, good to be back. Thanks, everyone, for watching, listening, supporting us on DeerCast. Uh, we appreciate the likes, the comments, all that in DeerCast. Keep them coming. Um, it helps me stay in a job, so that's much appreciated. <laughs> and you know what to do. Go shoot a giant. We love you guys. 